Welcome to Narratives and Nightcaps. In today's special episode, we're talking to indie author Grayson Long. Grayson's debut novel, Thinking Out Loud, was released in November 2023. It's a dual point of view romantic comedy following Ellie and Benny. Ellie, a professional psychologist, has just moved in with her sister, plus her sister's husband and kids, after being left at the altar. She's taken a job as a guidance counselor at Glendale High, but she doesn't intend to stay there long. She really just wants to work through her current crisis, her emotions, and then get back to her old life. But it's hard to deny the charm of a smaller town and her chemistry with Benny, the high school vice principal. Thinking Out Loud is quirky, cute, honest, and a feel-good romance you can believe. So we are thrilled to welcome Grayson to our first guest episode of 2024. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting. Absolutely. Thank you. And apologies in advance. I should have told you this too. I'm like battling a cough and have a really scratchy voice right now. So no, so that's if I sound like winded, that's why. (laughs) I could not tell at all. (laughs) All right. Well, let's start off with just a couple of questions. So since we're called narratives and nightcaps, we are curious if you have a go-to beverage or favorite drink and it doesn't have to be anything specific. It could be water, coffee, tea. What's your go-to? Okay. Well, I'm a big Coke Zero person. That's just like the everyday, like, if I don't get it, it's probably a bad day for anyone around me, which is very unhealthy. I'm very aware. But that's that's it. Um, and then I'm a big meal person. I like taste Ooh. of ginger beer. So anytime we go out, I'll probably, if there's a special one that they have or like a themed one at a restaurant, I'll, I'll probably try those out. Those are pretty good. Oh, I love that. I would say I do that too. Um, mm-hmm. Especially coming out of the holidays. I love a good holiday mule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like a cranberry like beer, beer person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't like beer beer, which is funny. Oh. So like the first time I ever tried a mule, I was like, oh, this has ginger beer. And they're like, yeah, but it's a little different. I was like, well, I'll try it. And my husband was like, you might not like it, but I actually like it, <laughs> but not regular beer. <laughs> All right. What are you reading right now? Or what was the last book that you read? Um, Okay. I'm reading like four or five different things. Um, uh, I guess so being an indie author, you also like build these relationships with other indie authors. And then you get the opportunity to, you know, either be a beta reader or an arc reader. So that's been really fun. So right now I'm actually reading a beta read for a fellow author. I won't say the title, um, but it's great. It's, uh, the second in her series, and I just love her story and her style of writing. It's been fantastic. I just read Fourth Wing for the first time. <laughs> I know. Okay? I, um, well? <laughs> I was not okay for a while. I was very mad. So I finished that a couple days ago. So now I'm reading Iron Flame. Um, <gasps> Best of luck to you. Know. Thank you. I'm. <laughs> You'll I'm be in my mourning. thoughts and prayers. <laughs> I know. Anyone who hasn't read Fourth Wing right now, spoilers coming. Pause it. Fast forward. I don't care. I'm just still mourning Liam. Like I just, I just can't move past it. You know, it's just still heartbreaking. And then I saw this interview that Rebecca did where she essentially announced to the people watching, like that as soon as she started writing his character, she knew that he was going to die. I saw like, why, why would you say it's just like, well, his character arc was finished. Like he (sighs) completed his journey. And I was like, okay, thank you for being such a good, consistent author. But no, thank you. <laughs> so I have like faith that maybe something will happen and, you know, like the menders and healers will come together and like come up with this like solution and bring 
him back. But I would say okay. I have faith for the same situation because I really like him. Um, but if you think you're mad now, no, don't tell just me. just wait. <laughs> I, no. Megan, oh. Megan has dealt with this, like, but when I have when I finished Iron Flame, sorry, now we're like huge tangenting, but I right. can't help myself. When I finished Iron Flame, I was legitimately sweating. I was like, oh no. I was <sighs> sweating. I'm I don't think it's been a long time since I wanted to just totally throw a book because I mm-hmm. it it took me a full night's sleep to process my feelings and simmer down. And then it even from there, I know that people were immediately firing off their thoughts, and I needed weeks to compose how right. like, I felt about it together, process yeah. things. Yeah. So I know it's I have a real I've question. heard that too. Oh, go ahead. So I'm not a fantasy reader, but I'm so curious because both of you both said this. How do you read multiple books at the same, like in tandem with each other? Because it like, what, regardless of genre, because I'm very much like, I have to read one. And then when that's done, I can start the next. And then when that's done, I can go to the next. And the right. fact that you both are reading like multiple books at the same time, I, my brain does not do that at all. <laughs> so I would say for me, like I'm thinking about the multiple books that I'm reading and none of them are the same genre. So mm-hmm. that kind of helps me to separate the story. Like I don't ever get the storylines muddled or confused because they're all so different. I don't know and I can't really recall a time that I read, you know, two fantasy books at the same time or two rom-coms at the same time. I guess I read a lot at the same time, but they tend to be very different. Mm-hmm. That's me. That's definitely good. I actually was not this way for a long time. I was definitely a one book person and it also took me like a long time to finish a book. I just didn't finish books until 2023. I had a baby postpartum period. You know, you're just like, you have nothing to do, but feed this baby, watch her nap and try and feed and sleep yourself. So I started reading a lot. And for me, it's the same thing. I'm not reading a lot of the same, like, I don't think I could read multiple um, fantasy books at the same time. Cause I'm also still getting used to it. I was not a big fantasy person before fourth wing and I did read the actor series just recently before that it was twilight <laughs> in high school like that was my extent of like fantasy type reading um but bef- usually I'll read like just like lighthearted or kind of short rom-com books or nothing really heavy and I think that's kind of how I'm reading multiple at a time they're not there's maybe one that takes a lot of energy and a lot of mind space for me to be able to be like focusing on what's happening. And then the others are just like, okay, oh, right. That, that happened. Or, oh, can move past things really quickly. Cause I don't have to remind myself like, who is this? What does this mean? Where are we at? Who just died? Stuff like that. So that's, that's the right. only way I could do it. I think with fantasy specifically, because there's so much world building and a lot of character development. And when you talk about fantasy too, tends to be a series of some sort in most cases Mm -hmm. there's so much going on that I think it'd be really hard to read multiple fantasies at the same time so like I'm mid I'm in the midst of a fantasy series and I'm kind of like well I don't know that I can start another fantasy series right now because I'm so focused on this world that's been created and all of the characters that are in it but Mm -hmm. yeah like throw in a rom-com throw in something else and I can compartmentalize that but could I compartmentalize like a whole other world probably not yeah right 
All right. Well, on that note, do you have a favorite place to read and or write? Reading is really um, anywhere that my daughter will let me. <laughs> Again, she's I love her to death, but it is that season of life. Megan, you have kids, right? I have I have a toddler right now. So, yes, I've, I've been there. We're <laughs> in that same. So it's really just that season of life where just anywhere I can kind of just sit down. But a lot of times my reading happens at night in bed before I go to sleep. Um, yep. And writing wise, I'm in my office right now. It's usually here or I'll go somewhere to a local coffee shop and if I need to get out of the house. So. Are you also functioning like between nap times as well? Is that kind of your world that you're in? Kind of. Yeah. Um, especially writing now. I, my daughter, she can keep herself really busy and does great with that independent play, but I still feel like that mom guilt of like, Oh, I shouldn't be, you know, on my computer or doing these things. So I take advantage of her being at mother's day out or I get up early and try to get it done before she wakes up. And definitely during nap time. Yes, for sure. And are you working as well? Cause you're a nurse, correct? I am. I am. So I do work night shift as an ICU nurse here in the town I live and I just work part-time. So it's like one or two shifts a week, but yeah. Still, yeah. that's a lot going on. Yes, there's a lot. <laughs> a lot of a lot of jobs to have for sure. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, let's talk about this. So this is your debut book. Can you take mm-hmm. us back to that moment that you, I don't know, envisioned this story, decided that you wanted to put it on paper? What was your mm-hmm. process like to then actually get this book out into the world? Right. Well, so the whole idea of me being a writer actually started um when I was like in junior high, I got, you know, got my first computer and it was like one of those MacBooks from like 2008. It was like a really thick white MacBook. Um, <laughs> and so I started like writing random stories. Like I wrote a story about the Jonas Brothers, like fanfic thing. Like that's how weird it was. Um, so I'd always <laughs> had this idea and this dream of doing that. And I actually really wanted to be a screenwriter. That was the biggest thing for me. Um, but of course that's hard to get into. And so I had this random thought of this idea and I just wrote it down back in 2020. Um, I was like, you know what? We hear so often about like people going to therapy and like seeking counseling. And we never talk about the fact that someone who is a therapist or a counselor is probably struggling with something as well. And I'm not a big uh, heavy person when it comes to like topics like that. I like to be lighthearted. I like to make sure you know, if I'm having a heavy conversation that people know, like, hey, we're not going to, like, cry. If you need to, you can, but I don't want you to feel like you have to, like, empty your soul out to me. Like, let's make this fun and lighthearted. So I told myself, I was like, if I wrote anything, I want it to be lighthearted. So if someone's reading it, you know, I don't want to trigger any underlying concerns or, you know, any anxiety or something like that. I want them to be able to get through it if they're reading it. And so I just wrote the story down of, like, what if there was someone who was, like, you know, a therapist and it's actually their point of view and their clients drive them crazy or (laughs) they have their own life issues going on and they're trying to keep it together in their sessions. And um, that was back in 2020. And then I kind of just tabled it, didn't think about it for a while. And then I was just reading more and, you know, I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to try. I'm just going to try to write this story because my mind kept going back to it for some reason. This was the one that I thought, you know, if I'm going to write anything, this might be the first one that I want to start with. 
and I did. And it originally was going to be just she was a therapist, not in high school, going through a breakup. And then it wasn't really going to be a rom-com. It was really just going to be kind of women's fiction, her living in New York, living that kind of life. And I thought, you know, I kind of want to make this a little more interesting in my mind, I guess. And so it kind of just developed over time. First draft was not at all what it was now. So so when did that officially start? So you got the idea sort of in 2020, right? So when did you, Mm -hmm. when would you say you had that first draft done? So I started, um, so I turned 30 this year, well, last year in 2023. Mm -hmm. And so I have this friend and God bless him. He, for the longest time, he's two years older than me, but he always would like kind of moan and groan before he turned 30 that like, oh, if I don't learn how to play basketball better by 30, I'm never going to be able to do it. If I don't learn how to do this, we always had these conversations, you know, late at night, we were all like having dinner and he would talk about these things. And I was approaching 30 and I, that for some reason that also came into my mind, like, if I don't do this now before I turn 30, I'm never going to do it. And I know that's not true, but for me, I was like, okay, let's just do it. So it was April of 2023. I was like, I told my husband, I was like, I think I'm going to just try and write. He's like, okay. So I started writing it and I finished it. The first draft I finished by the end of May, beginning of June. It took about two months um, kind of juggling baby schedule and stuff to write and get that done. And then I, I told him, I was like, I think this is decent. I don't know. And so I sent it to a couple friends and they're like, no, Grayson, this is actually really cool. And I, that's when I was starting to find out about indie authors and self-publishing. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to do it. And so let's go for it. So the process started in April and I published in November. So. Wow. That's awesome. That, that seems like such a quick turnaround too. I mean, still like that's, that's what, what I, and that's what I've heard. Month. Yeah. To me, I was like, this is taking forever, but I think it, now I'm writing book two and I'm taking much longer to write book two. And now I'm like, okay, no, that actually was very fast because I had had that story in the back of my mind for a while. And so I kind of knew what to build off of. Mm -hmm. Um, But now that I'm kind of like, you know, like there's, there's characters in book two that I had never thought of the care. There are characters that like you guys read the book, you know, Malcolm, he was actually going to be like a 50 year old man. Like he was not going to be, what he was like I just thought he was going to be some grumpy old you know math teacher and that was it like that that was his story and everyone's like oh I I kept getting messages like I love him I love him I love him and I'm like did I write him I didn't write him very clearly you guys think he's like like okay I guess I can roll with this so it's it's been interesting to just see how it developed over time so wait, so does that mean that book two is actually pulling in some of the same characters? So book two is, it will definitely okay. be um, in the same universe, same yeah. characters. It's just going to be two different people. It's going to be their story. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's okay that we know that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so talking about self-publishing, you said you started to look into it. Did you, once you heard about self-publishing, was that, did you know right away that was the direction you wanted to go or were you at all interested in other publishing paths and then decided that self-publishing made the most sense for you? So, I mean, I think I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people, if, if they want to write, the idea of being able to be traditionally published is very appealing. You know, being able to have someone like 
manage your social media, manage your scheduling, manage your editing, like being able to hire these people to do this stuff for you is, is invaluable. Um, I enjoyed the self-publishing process, but it was very stressful, like having to find my own editor, find someone to do my cover art. I mean, you could, there are people out there that can do all of it themselves, but I wanted to try to do something to the best of my ability. And those are areas that I'm just not excelling at yet. So I wanted to, you know, outsource that to someone who could definitely help me. Um, but I think traditionally, like doing traditional publishing um, is much more appealing. And that's something that I would like to do in the future if I get the opportunity. But at this stage, you know, I thought, I just really want to try. Um, I just want to see if people even like my style of writing or like how I develop a story. Because if you, you know, put so much time and effort, and then you query something, you know, it can be tabled for years. Um, and I thought to myself, you know what, I've learned quite a bit. I've met quite a few people online who can help me walk through this process. Why don't I just try it this way? And if I'm still interested in doing traditional after I finish this series, I will try to do that. And so as of right now, that is still the plan. I'll probably just self-publish all of Glendale. And I'm currently in the process of outlining and coming up with a story that I, I do want to submit to traditional publishing. So like query. Awesome. How many books do you have planned for Glendale, the Glendale universe then? Do you know? As of, as of right now, there's three. Okay. Um, the potential for a fourth could happen. We would just have to like introduce a new character, which in book two, there has been a new character introduced, but I'm not 100% sure if that character is enough yet for me to spend so much <laughs> time and energy on the story, but for sure there's three. Um, talk to us about what your writing process is like then. So you say like you're outlining a potential series that you would query. Mm -hmm. Obviously you have a lot of thoughts about this series. Like, Do you go through like a whole outline process for your books? Or um, I know like we've talked with Holly Whitworth, who's another indie author. And she was mm -hmm. like, I kind of just write like it's right. all in my brain. What is your process like? So with the first book, I, they call it pantsing. I don't know where that term came from, but where you just write. Um, so I pantsed that one and I just wrote start to finish. Um, I even like, there were a couple chapters that I like wrote a paragraph and I said, I don't know what to do with this chapter. I'll come back to it. And I just skipped it and then went back to it. Um, this time around, cause I want to feel a little more organized and productive with my time. Cause there would be times if I was just writing it, I would write something and I'd sit there and start and be like, what am I, what is happening right now? Why? <laughs> No, and then I delete it and then I just stand there and stare at my screen so and it was a lot of hours wasted in my opinion um so this go around I have created an outline and then I'm doing the sticky note method where uh which I've used like the save the cat beat sheet yeah I, I have that mm -hmm. yeah so I have that beat sheet written out for this book and then I'm using sticky notes like for each chapter of just kind of like a general idea of what I want to happen in that chapter, you know, like whose point of view is it? Like, what's the conflict? What's the goal? That way I can kind of go, go down that way. And it's been a lot more helpful to have a direction. Yeah. Do you like writing in that dual point of view? Since you bring that up, do you like writing from both sides? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I actually don't. Um, I loved it with the first book because 
the dual point of view, like Benny was based off of my husband. So like, and I mean, anybody who asks, like anyone who knows me and knows my husband, they're like, and they've read it. They're like, this is David. And I was like, yes, it's my husband, 100%. So it was so easy for me to write his perspective because I, I see him every day. I talk to him every day. Um, but now like I'm in the mindset of the next male character that like, I have friends who kind of like inspired this character and like, you know, how they carry themselves, like what they do for fun. But just getting into like the man's mindset is is actually very difficult for me. Um, so after this series, I don't think I will do more dual point of view. I want to keep it consistent. So I'm definitely not going to change after doing it that way for the first one. But I also, there's something to be said about like just the style of writing when it's just one point of view, like being able to write from a character's perspective and like as the reader reading it and just thinking, oh, they noticed something but they didn't notice something, you know, like mm -hmm. they clock, you know, an action or some type of mannerism from someone. And as the reader, you're like, Oh my gosh, I know what that is. I know, you know, um, like the hand flexing and pride and pride and prejudice, like as yeah. the reader or the watcher, you get to like, be like, Oh, Oh, but then they're not, you know, like the main character doesn't actually catch it until like later on. It's like this grand reveal of like, Oh, like I've loved you all along type thing. So I like, <laughs> I like that in the and when I read that in stories, it it just like tugs on my heart a little more. And so I, I definitely want to do that for my next set of books, whatever I'm gonna read. Right. Um that just you talking about that, that makes me think I was just watching this. I'd never watched the series before, and it's like this old series from the 90s, but I was watching it with a friend mm -hmm. last week. She came over and she's like, I want it, I want you to watch this show. And we turned it on. And I was like, Oh, this is old, but okay. And there was <laughs> one point where like very first episode. They just like graze hands and both of us are on the couch. We're like, oh my gosh. Like mm -hmm. it means nothing to either of the characters. And both of us were just like slamming pillows. Right. Oh, so good. About it. So I was curious, Grayson, um, how much I guess advanced planning would you say that you've already put in, or if you knew it at the time since this is going to be a trilogy? Like, do you even have mm -hmm. book three kind of? planned out already as well, knowing that that's what you're going to move toward? Yeah. So I, I already ha have book three planned in terms of like who it's about. Mm -hmm. um, and I have like the general idea, you know, I, a lot of people, I, I think a lot of writers really focus on tropes um, when they're writing things. And that's, that's super fun, but I'm trying really hard not to focus on that. But I do have some ideas like in the back of my mind, like I know what's going to happen in book two and like what people, you know, like if they share the book, they're like, blah, 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 trope, you know, and so um, in book three, I already have this general idea of what I'm going to do, what I'm going to expect, and it, it wasn't really on my mind until I was, like, almost completely through the draft, and my editor was going through it with me, and she made a comment about someone in the book, and I said, well, we'll just have to wait and see, and she was like, wait, what do you, what do you mean, and I was like, they might have their own book, and so that it was just like yeah but it'll be it, the third one is probably going to be the hardest for me to write i will say that because of who it's about but we'll see oh yeah. teasers teasers all around mm -hmm. <laughs> i love um, it i wanted to ask you touched on this a little bit earlier but uh, i'm curious about your cover because i love the cover of your book and i was just curious who does it and how much of a hand do you play in like helping design it? Or do you just say, here's the concept, do with it what you will. Right. 
So my cover artist is Cindy Rass. She is amazing. She actually just published her first book. It publishes in a couple weeks. I have the arc right now. Um, but she is a cover artist and she is also an indie author as well. Um, I actually found her, I was really, I really liked Ink and Laurel. I don't know if you guys heard of her. Um, but she does a lot of, like she did um, BK Borison's books, you know, like yeah. Love Life Farms and In the Weeds and stuff like that. So she did her books and has done a lot of indie authors. And I was super interested in working with her. So I originally reached out to her first, but she's booked out. Like you got to talk to her like years in advance almost. She's so sought after. And so I just kind of was searching around and Cindy just popped up on my feed and I was like, oh, hey. And now like, I don't think I would use anybody else. Cindy's just a fantastic person. And the process was very smooth. I kind of just told her, you know, what obviously like what I want the characters to look like, like the vibe and... I sent her some like stick figure sketches because I can't draw at all. And I was like, please don't judge, but this is what I had in mind. And she sent me like photos, like step, step by step throughout the process. Like before she even started designing like the characters, like she drew the background and had the outline of them and like different poses. And was like, which one do you prefer? Do you like them here? Do you like them there? So it was, it was great. And she was very easy to work with and very great at just her job in general. So it made the process wonderful. That's awesome. It did. It turned out so good. Obviously, just kind of going back to that too, but I do appreciate how like realistic you were with like, I wrote this story. I have this book, but like, I can't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to involve these other people that can help make it even better and like turn it into the production that it is today. Cause I know like I've worked with a couple of people that are like, I just want to do the whole thing on my own. And some people can, like I've seen some people do it and it does turn out really well. But I think it's important to also be like realistic with yourself when you're like, like I can't draw. So I would mm-hmm. not, you know, put out well, like my book would not get picked up. Yeah. From the <laughs> Your cover no. does matter. And mm-hmm. it does, like it is important. So I, I appreciate that you mentioned that like, it took other people to make it into what it is. Oh, definitely. I think just in life in general, I think everything can take a village. Um, You know, there are people out there that are self-employed and do things wonderfully, but I hope you guys don't hear my child screaming in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I almost looked to see if it was mine in the monitor, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Dad's got her. Um, But, you know, I I do think in this scenario it takes a village to be able to just create a good work um like I said there are people out there I know multiple people out there that have done their cover art and have done their story and most of their editing but most of the time they will still outsource and at least get a proofreader you know or a copy line editor because our eyes can read the same page over and over and we're probably still going to miss the same mistake over and over like I had um after it was already published and my editor is fantastic. She, she worked so hard. Um, but I had someone reach out to me. and was like, Hey, I just want to, you know, like chapter like 13 or whatever, there's a typo. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And so I like opened the book. I was like, Oh no. And I text my, I text my editor. She's a really good friend. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, Hey, we probably read this probably 10 times and still missed it. Right. And so it's just, I think it's bound to happen, but having multiple people like on your team I think will minimize the amount of mistakes that happen 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I had someone ask me once, they're like this book, you know, trade published and everything. They're like, there was still a typo in it. And I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's are just humans that like are reading that. And I go, and they still probably went through a team of editors, but yeah, when right. you read it so many times, mm-hmm. like your eyes just kind of glaze over it. It's like anything I write, I want someone else to read it before I put it out into the world too, just because it's like, I'm going to miss something. Right. And, so well, and I'm sure like at a certain point too, it's almost like, a script, like, you know, what's coming, you know, what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's that like, I already know what's going to happen. I don't need to read every, you know, single little letter and number and I don't know, symbol that's related to this content. Cause I know exactly what it is, but definitely happens. <laughs> yeah. Did you um, cultivate most of your team through online connections? Yes, I did. So, um, excuse me. This is like the beauty of Instagram. It's, it's crazy. I honestly just like Like I said, I found Cindy through Instagram. Um, I think hers I actually found because she, so I'm a big Sarah Adams fan. I don't know if you guys know Sarah Adams. I adore her, adore her stories. And so she'd actually shared some cover, like uh, not cover art, but character art by Cindy. And I was like, huh, who is this person? And so I went to her page and I found, I was like, oh. And so I reached out to her and I was like, do you do covers? And she's like, I'm actually wanting to start doing covers. And so I was her second cover that she'd ever done. And she's already wow. done like a substantial more amount since doing mine um, and is perfecting her craft. So book two is going to be beautiful. But um, so I kind of did the same thing. I um, just searched on Instagram the word editor um, because, you know, people will put like proofreader slash editor in their name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me just go through. And so I kind of just went that route um, and kind of based my search off of like people I follow And if they were following the same person and then, you know, I went to their website and looked at what they had to offer, kind of just narrowed it down to the availability and like my cost, um, my budget essentially. Mm -hmm. And my editor. Your style too, I would say. Like making sure that they're on brand with what you want to put out too. Definitely. Definitely. That's, that's cool that you were able to find that. So anyone Mm -hmm. else that listens, that's interested, like that's a huge resource to be able to. Definitely. Mm -hmm. use and bring your book to life Mm -hmm. um okay we talked a little bit more about but I just kind of want to circle back because even this is like impactful for me here but how do you balance all of it like your job writing being a mom being Mm -hmm. a wife um, how do you do it so you can hear the crying baby in the background (laughs) doing great no um so a lot of tears um tears do happen tears are shed occasionally um, no, I think really having a good support system has been essential. Um, my husband is, I would not survive without him. I'm actually very codependent probably. And it's not healthy. Like I'm very grateful. I could probably survive on my own without him, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, I feel the same way. So so he, okay. Right. So like managing my schedule early on in the writing process, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a big deadline. You know, I didn't really know when I was going to do it if I was going to. At the when I first started, it was just just get it done and see if you could do it. And so then was really just writing, you know, early morning, middle of the night, you know, and not really doing much but taking care of a baby. Um, and then once it got to a point where I was like, okay, I really need to set a deadline. We're really doing this. I just kind of used my resources of like, okay. 
I know my daughter will be at, you know, a Mother's Day out this day. So I'm going to ensure that this whole day is dedicated to writing. Um, and then, you know, still using her naps to my advantage. And, but a lot of time, a lot of times I would definitely um, ask him, be like, hey, can you give me an hour? Um, I'm just going to do, there's this technique. It's called Pomodoro. It is a time on, time off timer technique and it's actually used a lot um I had never seen it done with like writing sessions but I've I had did it I had done it a lot actually with studying so in like nursing school and stuff Mm -hmm. where you turn have a timer 25 minutes just go and just get what you can done and then you get a five minute break and you do that a total of three or four times and it can end up being an hour to an hour and a half of your time so I would do that and I would essentially just start my timer give myself 25 minutes you know, do that back to back for, and he would just hang out with her for an hour. And I would be able to get so much done within that short period just by like telling myself, okay, I have this much time, get it done. Um, mm-hmm. So doing stuff like that has been helpful, you know, kind of just, I have a planner. So I try to schedule out my days and be like, okay, I know I'm going to be at work this day. So I'm not going to get any writing done. I know that we're going to be out of town these two days. So I'm going to get writing done only in the mornings because we do family stuff at night. Mm-hmm. So things like that kind of just, setting myself up for hopefully success, but also being um, gracious with myself and knowing that it's not going to go as planned every time. There are going to be days where I have a sick baby and I can't do anything but take care of her. Um, There's going to be days that I'm sick. Um, Like right now I'm pregnant. So I have been very sick for like a few weeks and congratulations. Oh, thank you. And so like (laughs) writing has not happened. Like I, for the whole month of December, it was just holidays or being sick. So I did not, I have not touched my computer. This is the, probably the first time I've touched my computer. <laughs> like, um, wow, we're honored. Yeah, yeah. So, so things like that, um, just kind of giving yourself grace and knowing that it's going to happen when it's meant to happen. And mm-hmm. I have, I have great faith in that. So that's probably been the best way of like managing my schedule, but definitely the timer technique is helpful. I use a planner for sure. And then, like I said, I mean, with the writing process, I really liked having the outline and doing um, the sticky notes because, like I said, that 25 minutes I get to write um, is productive, you know, because I know what I need right. to write. I don't know. I don't just like so they're like, uh, what's going to happen today? So I at least have right. some type of goal. Yes. That's awesome. A little bit of structure without being fully structured. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, I think that that's advice in itself, but if you were talking to, or you probably have heard from like other aspiring writers, what would you say to someone that is wanting to write a book? I would say just try, just do it. You know, I think a lot of people, I don't know how accurate the statistic is, but I've seen it online. I've seen people use it, you know, in their reels and stuff, but they say that they're of the world, there's only 3% of people that actually finish and publish a book. Um, and just knowing that I get to be part of that 3%, if that is the accurate statistic, um, has been an amazing feeling. And it's just because I went ahead and tried, you know, there's, there's going to be people out there that absolutely hate your book. Like I had a terrible review because my book was a closed door book. And I was like, well, it's advertised as a closed door book. Like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you knew what you were getting. Maybe I mean, not everything has to have. Like- right. And, and I mean, that's their prerogative, but 
you know, so there are, there are going to be people that don't like your writing. There are going to be people who live and die and breathe by your writing. Like there are people who live and breathe and die by fourth wing. And I'm very aware. And I am now one of those people. Like <laughs> before I was like, I understand you guys, but um, so just kind of just telling people, just try, just give it a shot, type your words out. Let's, and, and don't be afraid to let someone read it for the longest time. I was afraid of letting even my husband read it. And he is the most non-judgmental person anybody will ever meet. And I knew that if he read it, he would be like, oh, this is amazing. Even though he's probably not the best judge, you know, like he thinks chicken and rice is the most amazing thing you can eat for dinner. So it's like, <laughs> um, so just giving it a try, letting people read it and being open to feedback and criticism, especially if you really want to do it, I think is essential. Um, unfortunately people, and, and I get it, you know, if you spend so much time on a story that you believe in and you have put so much time and energy and have been vulnerable enough to pour yourself out onto a page, it's easy to be protective of it. And mm -hmm. so if someone comes in and is trying to change it or, you know, maybe help fix it and it's hard to, you know, there are people out there that aren't always kind hearted and best intentioned, but there, mm -hmm. I think most people out there are, and it's definitely hard to see that perspective when it's your baby, you know, it's your writing, it's your book baby. Yeah. Um, and so just What's been open. some of the most um, like constructive feedback that you've received, you know, putting yourself out there? What's, what's been the most helpful for you? Um, hmm. Oh, that's a good question. So with this book specifically, I had a lot of good critiques on, you know, like plot holes that I missed, you know, things like that were very important to me. Cause I was like, what are you talking about? And I'd go back and reread it with that perspective of like looking for that plot hole and be like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Um, but I think one of the biggest things for me was also knowing um, that not everyone is going to read it the way that I intend for it to sound. You know, mm -hmm. my writing, even in my mind, you know, I have this tone and I have this, you know, this speed of how I feel like it should be read or, you know, like if I have like dot, 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 blah, 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 or like dash, blah, blah, blah. Like in my mind, I know how that sounds but some mm -hmm. people might not read it that way and being okay with that. Um, and just trusting that it might just be read differently and that's okay. Like even hearing my husband read some of it out loud, I'm like, why does it sound like that? But that he's <laughs> reading it, how he reads it in his mind. And so right. I think knowing that also helped me to kind of reorient some of the way I wrote because some of it was like, I think this sounds great, but then I would let someone else read it and they're like, I'm not, I'm not getting that tone or I'm not understanding where they're going with this in a certain scene or something. And I would go back and be like, okay, how would like read it out loud to me? Like, how do you hear it? And then they would and be like, okay, that definitely. So if you hear it that way and I hear it this way, maybe I can meet in the middle and make it flow a little bit differently. That's so mm -hmm. interesting. That's a really, a really, really good point. And I would say that, so that kind of makes me think about even conversations we've had just on the flip side mm -hmm. of we've received feedback that are like, I didn't interpret a book the way that you interpreted it and then mm -hmm. talked about it on the podcast. And it's, we're kind of like, well, it is sort of up to interpretation. Everybody does read something a little bit different. Everybody sort of connects with characters a little bit differently. Even I'm in the midst, 
well, like I said earlier, I'm in the midst of a series right now, and I love one of the characters that the general public hates, and it drives me, and it drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely crazy because I really like that character, and the whole world's (laughs) going off about this character. So that's really, I don't know that that kind of hit home for me too, where I'm like, oh man, yeah, you do have to accept that as a writer that we've talked about it as readers, but on the flip side. When you're putting it out into the world, you need to sort of say, okay, people are going to have different interpretations Definitely. of this. And that doesn't mean they're always like good or bad. People can have a lot of really different, great interpretations mm-hmm. of the book. So for sure. Um, one thing I was thinking about too, as you were talking is, I know we were talking to an author once and she said, I don't think you've made it as an author until you get a one-star review. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's a good mindset. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. to go in with, to be like, yeah, it's going to happen and that's okay. Definitely. Yeah. Whoever that helps, we'll shit. That was not ours, <laughs> but we will share. Hey, okay. no, that's, that that's a good way to put it because I definitely fell into that check the reviews spiral. It was very unhealthy. Um, and I would like text my editor to be like, oh my gosh. And she's like, stop looking at them. And mm-hmm. that's probably another big piece of advice is don't. And I even, I think also, even as a reader, don't let the reviews affect like what you're going to do with the book, you know, just read the synopsis, you know, read the blurb and just look at the cover art and, you know, like go with what you feel because there are people out there that I saw one star reviews for fourth wing. I've seen one star reviews for Akatar and like, what? Like, it's not that, you know, what? about um like Stephen I, King's gonna have one star reviews yeah. Emily Henry's gonna have one star reviews mm-hmm. everybody's got them yeah definitely there was I mean I don't I don't even remember what book it was but it was like one of my favorite books and oh it was it was Narnia it was the Chronicles of Narnia and I I don't know if you guys are a fan of that book I love that book and it's a wonderful holiday read and I just could not imagine anyone one star review and I <laughs> saw one and I was like not absolutely how are you? Like, how are you? <laughs> Who, what happened to your soul? Like what? You're so but, yeah. uh, that's I I love that book. I also I really like that first movie and even that we watched that over the holidays because it's like a holiday-esque movie, and my husband was like, I don't think I've ever seen this. And I was like, Who are you? Are we Who did I marry? <laughs> I don't know if we can continue. Like we right. I was like, we're watching this today. And yeah, right you're now, gonna love the it. whole series. Yeah, you're <laughs> gonna love it. You're gonna love every second. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you're gonna shut your mouth and just. Right. Anyway. I will take nothing else. No other feedback. Yeah. All right. So, book two is in the works. Do mm-hmm. you have any sort of timeline as to what or a goal? Anything in mind for that? The goal now is um, a summer release. So, summer 2024, May ish, June ish. So, we shall see. Um, cover art is in the works. It should be done maybe in a month or so, month and a half. So oh, that's exciting. And yeah. So awesome. Well, we can't wait. We will definitely keep an eye out for that. So is there anything else anyone wanna wanted to say? Add Megan, did you have anything else? No, I you know, I always come in with those last minute questions and I know this time, this time I jumped in before the last minute. <laughs> 
All right, Grayson, do you want to plug yourself? Where can people find you? Obviously, um, Thinking Out Loud is available Mm -hmm. to purchase on Amazon. It's also available on Kindle Unlimited. Mm -hmm. So if you are a Kindle reader, definitely check it out. But where else can people find you? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, author G Long, all one word. Um, I also have uh, a TikTok that is not super active. I try, but it's it's there. Yeah, it's there. You can glance at old stuff. That's kind of where we're at. Um, But mostly Instagram. And then I have an email. But I mean, people can DM me or something if they want. I also, again, I have like a website that if you pull it up, it's authorgraysonlong.com. And it says like coming soon. And it said that for like three months right now. (laughs) Hopefully that will get fixed and I will get on. I relate to that as well. Because I also had a website sitting out there that said coming soon for longer than three months so you're doing fine you're Respect. doing great <laughs> thank you <laughs> or it's a new year those things yeah, yeah. Done, no problem yes new year no. new me <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us i loved reading your book loved talking thank with you. you cannot wait for the next one we'll definitely keep an eye out for it in the summer so thank until then so cheers cheers, cheers.